you know, I remember as a, as someone who just graduated college and I was like, Oh, I want to start my own studio. It feels super intimidating and you kind of want to put up a facade that you are a bigger studio or bigger company than you actually are. Like I see a lot of, you know, studios doing this where they're like, I can't tell. Is that like a one person studio or a 50 person studio? They're trying to mask it. And I feel like it's not, you know, it's, I think it's just like a self-conscious thing. Like nobody actually cares if you're a one person studio or, you know, 50 person studio, you know, it's more just like you feel like you don't want to let the world know that you're the one, only one doing it. But I feel, you know, and the thing that we've arrived at is actually, it's better if people know that it's just the two of us. So they treat us like humans and not like a mega corporation. Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA all-star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love Work Podcast. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here. Today we got a fun one. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, Sometimes you meet people that make you, I feel like just being in their presence caused me to be more creative. You were definitely inspired. Yeah, I was into it. It made me want to go sketch products I've always wanted to sketch. You can explain more. Share what they do. Yes. So this is Seway and Taylor Levy, and they are from CW&T. And it's pretty much like an art and design practice, they would call it. They have art disguised as product. And they're pretty sweet. Like the design of it's things very they do is ridiculous. modern, yeah. clean lined. Um, but I do want to make sure you hear the website right. So it's CW and andt.com. And then you can also follow them on Instagram, which is Charlie Whiskey Tango. I thought that's that's actually really cool. Yes. Uh, Handle. Handle. Literal handle. Literal handle. So, but they were wonderful, thoughtful, intelligent, um, just super creative. Um, And very human. mm -hmm. Like human humans. But they were just real real. They were vulnerable and real about, um, they're just kind of in the thick of it and the struggles with. Yeah, it's hard. Owning their own company out of their house, with their kids, doing it all. It's real. And they're based out of New York, yeah, Brooklyn. in Brooklyn specifically. So as you as we get into it, I'd love, um, <laughs> there's three things I wanted to share with you today. The first, uh, she used a term that I thought was just, I thought it was so dead on, this idea of cognitive load. Oh, Jeff, you and I have had lots of conversations about this. Yeah, but I don't think we've used that term, have we? No, but... There's lots of terminology that's the same for that. Yeah, the weight that's... Anyway, we'll get into that. Uh, Secondly, they tell us about a time capsule that is just so cool. Best idea. For for one of their kids. Best idea ever. And lastly, (laughs) they had a great example of uh, kind of marriage advice... Not marriage advice, relationship advice via friends, the TV show. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. We hope you love this podcast. This is Sayway and Taylor Levy.
We originally met at ITP, Interactive Telecommunications Program at NYU. It's a graduate program, two-year program, and it's filled with amazing people. And we met uh, early on, but I basically chased on. Taylor for two years. <laughs> That's uh, totally not true. <laughs> like I said, like I said, she's going to deny a whole bunch of things. I chased Taylor. I was like, I like you. I like you. I like you. And she's like, I don't really like you. And it wasn't until after we graduated, I convinced her to go on a on a work trip. I was, I was te- teaching a bunch of students and we do the summer trip where we go to travel around China. And I convinced her to come along as a friend. And then, and then, uh, I almost died. And then Taylor got really <laughs> sick. <laughs> and you know, me uh, just like conveying my love for her is continuous. So you just have to imagine I'm constantly being chasing really? her. And then... <laughs> During this trip, she got really sick. Uh, she got some food poisoning, like really bad. Had to go to the hospital. hospital. I basically carried her to the hospital one night. And then somehow that transformed her view of me and then no. accepted my love for her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now now we have to hear Taylor's story. Yeah, what's your story? Side of the story? I guess part of that is right uh, we were very good friends in grad school and we started working together and the part about the food poisoning is all true. I just didn't want a boyfriend or anything <laughs> like that <laughs> um, for a long time, like while I was in school, especially. And yeah. And then after I was like, all right, you're, you're okay. <laughs> after because I he, saved her life. Yeah. yeah. He right. carried you to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been together how long now? 10 years. Yeah, That's around 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And you have two kids, right? Yeah, two kids. And then you also work together. Yeah, we started working together before we were uh, dating, sleeping in the same bed. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were working together uh, for a while. Um, yeah, as my way to just like find more ways to spend time with her. I would be like, hey, let's work on this together. Or I'd be like, I have this project. You want to work on this project too, right? And then, yeah, just like trying to get more FaceTime with you. Oh, it's so like romantic. I know, right? I like it. So Taylor, um, the whole time, I mean, you said you didn't want a boyfriend because you were, is it because you were focused on grad school and you were just trying to be this working woman on your own thing or what was, what was going on? Yeah, I guess like all of those things. I had been in a really long relationship previous to going to grad school. And then I really liked like being alone and having alone time. Mm -hmm. Um, I still like having alone time and being alone, which never happens anymore. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So if people aren't familiar, you heard the, the, mm, yeah, we all know that. If, if people are not familiar with what you do, can you kind of explain it's, I, w- I would say it's a cross between like an art form and product creation and somewhere in the middle of all that. We run an art and design practice is how we like to talk about it. But our ultimate goal in a lot of our work is really to just like try to figure out how to make art as much as possible. But the thing that feeds us is design work. And I think with more of our recent projects, we're sort of 
kind of fitting some of our artwork. We're making artwork disguised as design objects. Um, I guess you could say like our, yeah, a few of our most recent projects are like that. One thing that ties all the things that we make are, is that we make stuff that we want for ourselves. So whether it's a product or a sculpture or a web app or whatever it is, we're always, uh, we're kind of selfish in that way. Like we're, we just want it. We, we want something or we think something should exist in the world. And then, you know, we try to find it. Like we'll try to find a product or find an app that does something. And if we can't find it, we just make it because we want it. And then some of those things end up becoming products because we feel like more other people might want it. Mm -hmm. But most of the things we make don't, don't end up in the world. They just end up in our lives because <laughs> they're weird and nobody and else nobody wants else, it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So my favorite part on your website and your page is your guiding principles. Um, mm. I read every single word, read all the way through. I love, um, I love that part. So can you talk a little bit about some of those guiding principles? Uh, you stated a few, like you make uh, products that you want. That's one of your principles. But what are some other guiding principles um, that you have? One of my favorites is make things properly, like make it, make, make it, it good, make it good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think that's and and to last, yeah, yeah, yeah. make it last. Um, yeah, something that we we kind of go back and forth with sometimes is just like this idea of putting more stuff into the world isn't like really where we want to be, and I don't think the world needs more stuff. So having a very being very conscious about what we're making and making sure that it's made in a way that it could last a very long time and um, made with proper materials um, so it doesn't break. And if it does break, somebody could easily fix it. Yeah, mm -hmm. those things are really important to us. I also like that you talked about at one point you said uh, we're a business, but we're also a family. Yeah, so that's like one thing... Um, we, it's just the two of us. We actually, two, three weeks ago, hired somebody for the first time, um, which is kind of foolish, but a lot of people, like, they email us, and when they interact with us, they think that they're talking to some big company. Um, but I think, like, more and more so now, because people who buy our things know our brand, and they know that it really just is the two of us, and we answer all of our emails, and it's us, like, packing things and making things and ship, yeah, just everything. doing everything yeah. that there is. Yeah. It's nice when they, they know that it's us that they're talking to, as opposed to just thinking their emails getting sent to some, like, system. Mm -hmm. But that also makes it hard, right? Because... Yeah. That means you have to respond you to everybody. Everything. That means you right. have to go to the post office or wherever you're going. Yeah. FedEx. Yeah, we have our chunk right our now chunk is, is loaded with stuff with right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. I think I was going to add like one. I think the reason, the, the reason I like it as one of the main principles is because, you know, I remember as a, as someone who just graduated college and I was like, Oh, I want to start my own studio it feels super intimidating and you kind of want to put up a facade that you are a bigger studio or bigger company than you actually are. Like I see a lot of yeah. you know, studios doing this where they're like, I can't tell. Is that like a one person studio or a 50 person studio? Right. They're trying to mask it. And I feel like it's not, you know, it's, I think it's just like a self-conscious thing. Like nobody, 
actually cares if you're a one person studio or you know 50 person studio you know it's more just like you feel like you don't want to let the world know that you're the one only one doing it but i feel you know and the thing that we've arrived at is actually it's better if people know that it's just the two of us so they treat us like humans and not like a mega corporation yeah mm-hmm. that's good and you stay true to who you both are so right that stays the yeah. same so as a family though like you have a you literally have a kid in your back seat sleeping right yeah. now like as we're talking to you i mean how has life changed since you've had kids running this studio and how, how do you guys manage all that it's really hard yes. i think like these right now we're going through probably the hardest time we've ever gone through i would say mm-hmm. definitely um <laughs> um for a variety of reasons actually for one reason mainly since we work in our house which is actually like a really efficient way of working because we can take 15 minutes here and there and get things done that we need to get done at any hour of the day but at the same time it's also hard to get things done I don't know, for me, I find that like, say we can take these 15 minute spurts and just like get into something, do it and then get it done and leave Um, or come back to playing with the kids or making dinner or whatever. But for me, I like the second I go near a computer, I have both of our boys like hanging off of me and I can't focus with them around on anything, which is fine. Like we shouldn't be doing work around our kids and we like try very hard to not do work around them too. Um, But at the same time, a lot of our work is physical and tactile. So like we have a table, a kitchen table full of like currently like exact knife prototypes, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is like a little project that Sayway is working on. And we're always like passing them around and whatever the prototype is, it just happens to be knives right now. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough having kids around. (laughs) But like, they know what we do and they like come in our studio and they come into the basement shop and they help us find parts and yeah it's Mm -hmm. that part of it is really it's nice to have them there and involved but in terms of efficiency of doing work like no it's not you can't really like get into the zone in the same way that you could when you had no other Mm -hmm. um, responsibilities yeah so there's a big I mean we talk about this is the whole point of this podcast in a way of like the tension uh, between that working and figuring things out with the family and kids and everything. So besides efficiency, what else is your biggest tensions you guys have? Well, our relationship is very strained <laughs> because of all these things. Mm-hmm. And that's really hard. Like we, we don't, we both... You know, like every parent, we don't get enough sleep, which affects every everything. Mm-hmm. And we get really frustrated. You know, I think this is with anyone who runs their own business. It's like work, work is what we want to be doing. And so it's very frustrating to not be able to find time to work. Mm-hmm. And so then, yeah, there's like a lot of tension around like who gets to work and who has to do this or that. Right. Like the kind of shared responsibilities back and forth between the two of you. Right. Yeah. 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 And so all, you know, like all of that's bundled together and revolves around our kids and their schedules and all of that. So that's been very hard. And also just like the holding, a lot of people like write about this idea, but holding things in your head that aren't necessarily, they're not like tangible 
they're well I guess they have tangible output at some point but like holding in your head like I know my kid like is going on a field trip today and he needs a jacket or I need to like where we don't have sweet potatoes so our other kids not going to be able to eat anything <laughs> like just holding there's cognitive load associated with it too that for me I find my headspace is completely filled with our children's cognitive load and never with like those dreamy moments anymore of creativity <laughs> kind of sad. yeah mm. um but like I'm still optimistic I it's something that like I know is missing and I know I need to work towards finding again and I do find it in spurts but yeah I'm still optimistic about it coming back mm-hmm. at some point yeah. I also want to add, like, I think it's, we don't talk about this very much, but I think it's really important for us to be passionate about something like our work, you know, like the thing, being passionate and struggling to find time to work, in our case, to like design things and make things is a good example for our kids. Mm. You yeah. know, like it, it does take time away and it interrupts with family time and all those things. But that's part of being passionate about something mm-hmm. is just like, you know, that's what happens. And I think it's okay and good to be like that in front of our kids to be like, that's what, it, you know, that's what it takes or that's what it's like to be passionate about something. Yeah, that's good. You were talking earlier about like, you just make things you want and sometimes other people don't want those things is is kind of my (laughs) synopsis of it. I mean, but you guys are doing this full time, right? So it's, I guess it's Mm -hmm. working or has it worked? And, you know, cause I think there's some people that are probably listening. They're like, they have this passionate project and they're trying to figure out, can I, can Can we sustain? Yeah. My partner and I, can we do this? Can we go all in? Are we going to go broke? What, what if we lose our house? What if, you know, you go, you go through all those things Um, What would you say to them about that, where you guys are at and the journey you've been on? It's kind of hard to say because we started when we didn't have anything. So like we only now have kids, but I think it does put a lot more at stake because we still are making weird things that people wouldn't necessarily like. Um, I I love it every time you say that. Like, okay, wait, let's make sure everybody knows that they also make really amazing things. I mean, their stuff is ridiculously good. That you will want to buy. sweet. So let's just put that out there. It's modern. It's simple. (laughs) It's sleek. It's creative. It's incredible design. Yes. Yeah. So you guys are like completely downplaying everything you've ever created, but. Okay. So that's your caveat. Now go ahead. (laughs) Go ahead. Say away. I I was just going to say... Uh, I yeah, like I don't know if the path we took is something that is uh, common or repeatable, but when we started our studio, maybe yeah, like over ninety percent of our time and income was coming from writing software for clients. Like we were a client-based studio, and at the time, you know, client writing software for client. I guess still today, it's like a pretty lucrative business to be in. And so we, you know, we were writing a lot of software in chunks of time. So we spend like three months heads down working on this piece of software for a client that would then pay for the rest of our year to Hmm. just mess around. Hmm. And that was our mode. Like we would just like, we'd be like, okay, this summer, we're just going to work on this project because this this came in. And then after that, we're going to have enough money to like 
travel or like work on, you know, pet projects that we wanted to work on. And so that, that was a mode we were in and it wasn't until Kickstarter, until we launched a Kickstarter project where that's when we realized, oh, this is actually potentially a sustainable way to do, to run our studio. You know, so we, we don't have to take client work anymore to mess around. We can just like mess around, sell our weird products, you know, launch them on Kickstarter to fund more messing around. And so we kind of, I think we stumbled into it. Like we're incredibly lucky to even be in a position where we get to do stuff like this. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if we have real advice. I think we're just crazy lucky. Yeah, I think we're very lucky. And I think like, I think there's like a certain privilege about like this mentality that I think we both have that if we like work really hard at something, it's going to be okay. Hmm. Um, which like, it's not fair to say that because I don't think that's like necessarily true in every situation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you yeah. know, we, we both, uh, you know, went to college. I think in both our cases, our parents paid for our college education. So that was already like, you know, we, we, like, neither of us had student debt right. going into So there's school. like a privilege part started, of this. Right. Like, so, yeah. you know, you can't, yeah. You know, not everybody's in that position, but people who are in that position, you kind of, you can take risks like the ones we took. Um, because there's sort of like this weird un- unsaid or maybe it's there, you know, like a safety net to be like, oh, worst case scenario, you could go get a job or something like that, you know? And I think that's that's always there, even though we don't talk about it. Yeah, and I think we're just in this weird, not weird, just like in a privileged position to be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it's like really important too to say that always because like, a lot of the time people ask us like, how did you do that thing? And then we're just like, just do it. Like you don't have any risk. Like it's not a big deal, but like it really is a big deal. And I think we've like stepped back a little now and like talk more about. Yeah. Um, I like, I think it's important to just like to acknowledge, acknowledge that. Yeah. That we, yeah. Yeah. All that said, it was, I mean, it's not like we, it wasn't risky for us. It was a pretty scary leap to uh, rent our first studio space uh, where we had no clients or nothing. We had no income. And we're just like, we're just going to jump in and bet on ourselves up. to be like, we're going to spend, it was a really cheap studio. It was $200, I think, $400, $400 a month for a studio. And we're like, we I think we can. the first job that was a $500 website. Right. <laughs> like, oh boy. That, that'll pay yeah. for rent. <laughs> and then, then we'll figure it out. And I think, you know, I think when we speak to um, students or, um, young professionals and we tell them to kind of take that kind of risk. That's, that's sort of the level we're talking about. It's just like, I think anyone who's asking, who's like, Oh, should I be doing this thing? I think if you're already asking, you should probably do it. Mm-hmm. Already considering quitting your job and opening up your studio because you have some passion project that you think is going to be, you know, that you want to put your time and money into, then I think you should do it. Mm. All right. So you guys have these like very clear principles that you approach your design projects with. I could tell even like when you look at the things you create, there's something really special about them. It's, it's built into who you guys are. It's probably part of it was different education systems you guys went through that shaped how your thought, your inspiration. I'm curious as you guys are now building a family, like I have a feeling that you guys want to, design your family in a unique way. 
<laughs> and so I'm curious if there's some, uh, is there some unique perspective you guys had when you're like, when you sit back, cause I, you know, we're watching you right now talking to you, you're sitting in your car and I'm like, they have had, they've sat in a car, they've sat in a moment together and they're like, well, what do we want the design of our family to look like? I know there's something within you guys. So I'm curious to hear how you'd answer that question. A lot of our work involves using new technologies and like learning new skills constantly. And I think having kids has also been a big learning. Like you're just learning like an entirely new domain Hmm. and your approach to learning new things can translate to whatever it is in your life that you're setting out new to do. Um, And I think that for me, it has been like, I do think our approach to having kids has been one that's like very similar to how we do other projects in terms of acquiring, I'm not going to call it skills, but just like modes of parenting. And I think like part of it is like communities and really I like, there's just like little details about having a kid, like you now get to talk to this whole other, like you get to talk to people all of a sudden in a new way. And like people who have pets say this all the time, they're like, Oh, I got a dog. And now like, I know everybody on my block, but I really feel like that too, about our neighborhood. And like you have this kid and all of a sudden this kid is like an entry point to people from all different walks of life. I mean, we live in, we live in Brooklyn. Um, You go to the playground, you meet tons of parents and caretakers and, Um, you join like new communities when you have your kid in a preschool and then when they go to a bigger school you have a different community there and I think you're just constantly learning and like seeing new ways of building a family and we're I think like we don't really like talk about it in terms of like principles but we're just constantly evolving like ways we are with our kids and Mm -hmm. um, like new new things we're learning so I think best example of how we think about raising our family is in, I think this is probably true with most families is just how we choose what kind of education our kids go through. And so our older one is, he's still in pre-K, but he goes to this school called the Brooklyn Free School. It's a, it's a free school, which is like a, a democratic style school. Uh, super progressive school. It's like on the fringe, I think, of, uh, you know, if you look at the landscape of uh, progressive schools, it's way, way out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's what I love about it. It's a school where there's about 80 some students from pre-K all the way to 12. Uh, So it's a really small, tight community. They're very social justice uh, oriented. Mm -hmm. So basically everything they do uh, has a social justice component to it. Mm. And, And it's a private school, but it's a sliding scale. And, you know, some people pay nothing. Some people pay a lot. Um, and, you know, I think the thing that drew us to this school was one, the diversity in the school was really appealing and, uh, it's a stark difference from public schools. You know, you would think that if you go to a public school in Brooklyn, in our neighborhood, it would actually be a pretty mixed school and they say it is, but it actually isn't, it isn't very representative of the neighborhood. And what I really loved about Brooklyn Free School is that it is like it is a properly diverse, socioeconomically diverse school. And so 
that for us was really important. And I think the other thing that was really important that drew at least is just having a different kind of education. Like I grew up going to an international school in Tokyo, which is, you know, very different from most of my peers. And I think that gave me just a different perspective on the world. And I, you know, and I keep, you know, I think about that a lot and I think about how I could give or guide my kids to have different experiences and, you know, yeah, just like unique experiences so that they can be the world in different ways. Mm, that's good. Love it. All right. So of all the products as, as, uh, as we've been interviewing you, Matt, who, who records all our stuff, he's been like devouring, looking on your website, looking at all the products <laughs> you have. So I'm curious uh, first of all, I I, I want to know two different products you designed. One, what has been your most successful product you designed, and why do you think that is? And then, secondly, mm-hmm. what's been the the most unsuccessful project that you're most proud of? Yeah, I guess Pentabee is yeah. our most popular, and also like we're really proud of that. I think it's mm-hmm. a really good, nicely designed object. Um, yeah, Pentabee. Yeah. Um, and I, why is it appealing? It's really expensive. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, well, it's like a really, I think it's well designed. It's really expensive because it's really expensive to make. And so I can't really answer why people buy it. That is still mysterious to me. Um, but I understand why people like it. That's funny. So what's the unsuccessful one that you guys love? Oh, probably key wrangler, no? Yeah, key yeah. wrangler is like a good. What is that? We one? make this keychain. It's just keychain, but it's not like a super passion project for us in any way. But we think it's actually the most practical thing. You know how you said a lot of things were like, I don't know why anybody would want this thing. Key wrangler. We really think everybody should. Have <laughs> <laughs> okay, and pitch it. Why? It's just, it's so it's a keychain that keeps your keys in a straight, tidy row as opposed to on a key ring, which everybody knows breaks your fingernails and makes your keys into an unruly ball um, of keys. And it has a carabiner, our key wrangler has a carabiner clip on it, but it's a very durable carabiner clip that's super snappy and um, yeah, easy to clip on and off things. So just those two things, organize your keys and hook them to your bag or belt or something. Yeah. And then, So what's one that, what's a product that you don't have on the website that is in your house still that you love that you made? Time capsule? Oh, maybe. A bunch of versions of time capsules, but one of them in particular, we made for our son, Pao, when he turned three. Um, and that's something that I would like to get out into the the world. So our next project. It's our next project. Yeah. So what is it? So yeah, we designed, it's a capsule that's maybe 12 inches tall, four inches in diameter. And it's just a heavy machine piece of aluminum. Like it looks like a giant soda can. Okay. Uh, but uh, it's sealed in a way it's the sealing mechanism is a little bit unique. But the main thing that we did with that time capsule is that we when our son turned three, we had all our friends and relatives write letters and stuff the time capsule with them. And we told all of them that, you know, please address the letter to the 18-year-old version of Pao, wow. our son, and that we would 
give it to him on his 18th birthday. And so we have this little canister sitting stuffed. I mean, it's like so packed, mm-hmm. stuffed with letters from friends and relatives. Some many who may not be around when he's 18. Yeah. yeah. And so, and yeah, it's for me, that's like a really exciting thing that we have around. Like he doesn't even know about it. And so, it's yeah, so I'm cool. so excited to give it to him when he's 18. That one, that's awesome. I, I would buy that for sure. So watching you guys interact, <laughs> that you you have um, a like uniqueness of joy that permeates from the two of you, which is kind of cool. And also you could tell like a real connectedness um, in how you think and, and what you desire in life. So if you're giving someone else advice in, in their partnership or marriage or relationship, what do you think has really brought you two together um, in that connectedness that, that, that keeps that you two connected in some way? I don't know. We are very connected. Even though on a day-to-day basis, I, we do feel disconnected from each other. Cause like <laughs> yeah. we literally never, we haven't like, it's so hard these days, like two years, literally, <laughs> 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 except when it's with our kids. Cause we all sleep. Yeah. It's, yeah. I just feel like, we have a lot of things in common and like we have these just like perspectives on the world that are very like difficult to put to words of what they are, but we like agree on a lot of things that I think are important um, that are important, at least to us, both like aesthetically and like also just um, like in terms of design choices and like the way we want to run our business. But um yeah, I think also in terms of values that we share about our family and our lives and things that we think are fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're lobsters. What's the lobsters? What is that? What does that mean? <laughs> you just threw out the lobster. <laughs> yeah, you heard. My Taylor says it. My oh, your cousin says it? <laughs> or my cousin started. Uh, is it from Friends? <laughs> it's, it's a line from Friends, the TV show, where I don't know who says to who... Something about finding your lobster, yeah, because lobster is made for life. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So you you used to say that being yeah. like you need to find your lobster to other people. Um, yeah. So yeah, Taylor, we're just lobsters for each other, and I don't know if there's any. Yeah, I think if like can... yeah. In terms of like useful things to say about that, I think relationships are really, really hard. And like when you put kids into the equation, they get like exponentially more difficult. Make sure you like the same things and you enjoy the same groups of friends and the things that make you happy are the things that you want, like your your partner, make make your partner happy too. So that like after the kids and all of that stuff, like you'll still be able to find each other because like those parts of you that come naturally to you and come naturally to that other person are still very much aligned. Like I think before we had kids, we were, we literally spent every minute together. That's true. And I think that that makes having kids feel really hard because having kids forces you to spend time, you know, individually because you have to take care of the kid or one person's working, you know, that kind of arrangement. Mm -hmm. And so it feels really hard for us, I think, because we're, we were, you know, we, yeah, we spent, I don't know. Even before we were dating, we spent. Right. Yeah. Right. Like we were, you guys were yeah, really good friends. Like we, yeah. So have you felt like you found any kind of um, separation or what have you found that 
has been helpful for you between this, I don't even know if the word is balance, but that kind of work, um, time for both of you to be together, time to be with the kids. Have you found anything that's been helpful for you that you could pass on to other people? I think we're still trying to figure it out. Very much so. Like I tried to do a thing. I put a Tuesday daytime date uh, meeting with Taylor in the calendar that I was like, this is going to be great. Every Tuesday, 10 o'clock in the morning, it's blocked out. You can't take any meetings. We're going to go on a date during the day because we can do that. Yeah. And I think we went on one date. <laughs> what happened? happened? You didn't keep it going? <laughs> I know it's really hard. Like things, someone's like, "Oh, I need, I want to meet." You know, like so a meeting have comes to go up, to the dentist. right? Or like, you have to go to the dentist again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just life keeps. Yeah, like yeah. life happens, and you're just like, "Oh, I can't." What I thought I could block out, I can't. And so, yeah, I just asked Taylor out on a date like an hour ago. Yeah. And we're like, okay, let's figure out when we can go on a date. All right. So is it possible to stay in love, raise a healthy family and attempt to change the world? Yes. Although I don't know if we're trying to change the world. (laughs) (laughs) Make a difference in the world. How's that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I guess so. Yes. Answer is yes. I would pose this. I don't think there is another way to do it. I think you, yeah, it has to be the answer. Yes. You have to be able to do it that way. Right. I think it's the healthiest way to do it. Like I, I can't imagine not spending time with our kids the way we do. And I can't imagine not able to work whenever I want the way we do. Like it's, you know, some, yeah. So I think most people that we talk to are, they, they want to have a similar setup where we're, you're working and living in the same place. Like that was always our dream and it happened. And now we're like, it is actually pretty cool and it keeps going. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel like now that we're in it and we've been doing it, it seems like this is, this has to be the way to do it. Like it is, I think the most reasonable, sane way to do those things. And now it's time for the breakdown. Yes. What did you, you, I could tell like right afterwards, you were just like full of life and energy and creativity. Yeah. A lot of ideas. I, I think they are slow to respond because they're constantly pondering what was just said. Like they have a presence about them that I appreciated. And also Very thoughtful. Yeah. Yeah. And also like the things they make are are, I love the thought that they're making things that they want. Yeah, thoughtful design. Mm-hmm. And then sharing that. <laughs> it is funny. But also like that they are, that they're wrestling with not just wanting to put more stuff out there in the right. world, which right. I really like that, that even they're, though that they're a product and design like company, that they just don't want to put crap out there. Yeah, I think they're inspiring. I think if you go to their website, like you're going to be, you're going to look at their stuff and be like, this is really, really cool stuff. Yeah, it's expensive, and, yeah, but it's, it's expensive. cool. <laughs> yeah. um, which is a, the, which is why they're making it. So, what's something that really stuck with you? Yeah, I, I think I think I did love like kind of how she was talking about how when we're 
raising kids were um, just actually being in the mentality of just constantly learning. I liked how she was talking mm-hmm. about that. Um, it felt like it was a constant curiosity of learning, of adapting and changing and developing kind of ideas around parenting versus I think sometimes we just get on this like, this is the one path and I read this one book and this is how I'm disciplining, this is how I'm doing, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you just get like, that's it. And um, I, I just don't think that that's uh, as helpful as what you could be if you're in a learning. It was interesting. Like I was asking for what, you know, their approach and, and then they kind of, she kind of flipped it on me and was like, well, actually the question is more around what is your approach to learning yeah. as an individual? And then how do you take that learning and pass it on and pass it on to your kids? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I thought that was an interesting like framework. You could tell like that shapes how they create. Yeah. Their approach to learning shapes everything they do. Yeah, that's true. And um, I thought that was kind of cool. Another thing uh, for me, I mentioned in the, at the beginning of this, the idea of the cognitive load. She got, the other phrase she said is, you know, when they started having kids, she, was hold, she holds a lot of things in her head. Yeah, and this is... Um, this is very, very um, pertaining to women, I think, a lot. I think that there's a lot of things with women that, um, that, and I'm, I'm just going to lay it out there. I don't think men think about this as much as women do, and especially pertaining to the family. Yeah. And so I'll give you one example. Uh, I'm curious about what you're going to say right now. Yeah. So the weekend, there was a weekend that Jeff and I were both leaving out of town. Jeff was going one place to speak and I was going another place. So Jeff got his flight information and packed his bag and left. That's it. That's really all. That's what you did. I sat there and in my brain coordinated like 800 things for the whole weekend for the kids while we were gone. So I was thinking about the field trip and the lunch. And then I was thinking about the birthday party that weekend that they were going to miss. And I had to coordinate a ride and I had to think about that. And I had to figure out how they were going to get back. And, you know, there was all of these like details, um, meals for the kids kind of while we were gone, um, all, all these, and, and it's a cognitive load. It like w- these little things weigh on our brains. And I agree with her. Like it's hard to find creative space and creative place when those things are like filling it with clutter, you know, filling it with these like details that we really need to like figure out or handle or offload or whatever it is. Yeah. The thing I see it in you most often is like, when you're when it's like we try to go to bed and you have a list in your head of all these things you have to do and it's like can you just go to sleep yeah no that doesn't work right so yeah i think that is an interesting thing the cognitive load is something the the weight that that you feel constantly is it's always there and it's always present and um yeah i think that was a great i'm glad she shared that yeah i i think the other thing they said that was really helpful to me is this idea that passion is a good example for our kids. Yeah. That was and good. I think I liked being remi- reminded of that. Um, cause I do believe that, but sometimes I forget it. I think mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes the shame of 
not being always there for everything outweighs the passion example they were giving to our kids. I think that's the tension in it. Yeah. And, um, and I think for us, that's kind of been our approach is like, we're going to do these things that we feel purposeful in our life. And we want that to be an example of what our kids could also do. Yeah. And we talk about it, I think, as long as that's something that's also just communicated or even shown by example um, in terms of bringing them along with us in different things, letting them hear, you know, letting them hear daddy speak on stage about something um, so that they see also the passion versus just not being there or something. Do you know what I mean? I think there's more intentionality that can be had with that too. That's good. Well, they were great, and you should definitely check out their website. Uh, again, cwandt.com. And this was Sayway and Taylor Levy, and it was really fun. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we hope you enjoyed today. We hope that you join us again next week, and have a great week. This is another episode of Love or Work. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.